while Tormenta is away touring the world, getting stronger and building her skills, I, Sofia Lopez, the world's greatest attorney, decided to put together the world's greatest tag team. So I took Vivian Rivera and I introduced her to the perfect tag partner, Sylvia Sanchez. Together, Las Bandidas will become the Wild Tag Team Champions. Soon, the Wild Tag Team Championship will be taken from Lana Star's mantle and placed right here on my desk. Vivian and Sylvia have been undefeated since coming to WOW, so it's only a matter of time. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. Thank you just in general. We are on another week gone. And, you know, sometime WoW goes up and sometime WoW goes down. And... You know, I should leave it to you as to whether this is a, a thumbs up or thumbs down episode. Um, episode titled Special Stipulation. Uh, that, of course, a reference to the main event that will be taking place at the end of the show. But we will get to that. Um, let's just let's dive into it. Any, any little sidebars and side notes I, I'll go into as I kind of you know do the review match by match uh it'll be interesting so and please like you know your your comments or responses how you feel about these things i really would like to read those i've seen some people put some in on uh, some of the videos and uh some messages directly Uh, but yeah i like seeing those just because you know I, i like to hear somebody else's point of view uh, as you know, if you've listened to this at any number of times, I, I ask my co-workers all the time about it because I know that they're kind of, uh, they're not knee-deep in wrestling, but they like to watch it, but they're, they're, you know, they're not super fans. They're not on the internet trying to find every little thing about it and watch every show and know every promotion and know every person by, you know, by name. They're, they're not that. They just... They look at it and they think it's amusing and like you know hey this is cool let me watch it so you know i like hearing the perspective of that sometimes too anyhow uh the show begins as the show begins they do a last episode recap which is basically a promo between reina del rey and wrecking ball in the four-way match that took place the week prior uh these are the points where they show the aftermath 
of the destruction, I guess we'll call it, that Reina Del Rey left. Uh, quick shots of both Razor and Fury, the two-fourths of the match on the floor. And Wrecking Ball, who also lost, but happens to be Reina Del Rey's partner, allegedly, um, because this team came from nowhere and they only tagged once. Um, she was in the ring with her, basically, to celebrate. So they started the show with that. Gave you the end of last week's show to start this week's show, and then they go preview all of the matches of WoW tonight. The only addition that they had, aside from that, was... Wild talks about a five-minute stipulation for Samantha Smart in the main event. That being, if the disciplinarian loses, uh, Randy Rara gets five minutes alone with Samantha Smart. Uh, it's a tried and true thing. You know, they put the old manager in trouble. But my note that I put for myself was, when was this promoted? stipulation from nowhere and it is it's a stipulation from nowhere like <laughs> I, I understand that they were in an angle and they, they've been kind of going back and forth a bit but it's not like they asked for this prior to this show to set up this, this angle or that Samantha Smart did something else I mean she's done stuff and she's been a jerk this is the most that she has been involved with the the wrestlers that i've ever seen since she's got there she needs to keep going not get cut off i know they run their angles very quickly but in this case i'm going to say they need to just let this go or let samantha smart build some more heat before some you know you get to a the blow off of somebody getting even with her. I mean, now, uh, but that's a whole different thing. The whole getting even with. We'll, we'll get to that. Now, let me let me just move on before I get myself worked up talking about that. So, first match of the night is Vicky Lynn McCoy, of course, in her corner. The fabulous Lana Star taking on Foxy Fierce. I'm sure you can guess if you've heard me talk about this show before what I'm going to think about this match. This was a glorified squash. That's pretty much it. This was a, this was, this was a Vicky Lynn showcase. Foxy at some point attacks Vicky Lynn's legs. You know, Vicky Lynn's legs that were attacked to find two minutes later. Uh, it, it's a fair exchange. I guess decent if you want to say that. But ultimately, uh, Vicky Lynn wins with a release German suplex. She sets Foxy at some point during the match, turns her around up there in facing a corner, and Vicky Lynn essentially just launches her to the other side of the ring. I mean, it's something to that effect. I mean, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't say other side of the ring, but you get the point. It's not like she went from coast to coast, turnbuckle to turnbuckle. I mean, yes, the young lady is strong, but I don't, I don't know about Herculean strength quite yet. Uh, but, but anyway, the point being that it is a, a basically a showcase for Vicky Lynn. Yes, Foxy Fierce did 
do some, you know, some resistance. She fought back. She, it was a match. I, maybe I, I shouldn't label it a squash match so much. The reason that I did that is because they haven't given Foxy Fierce enough credibility for you to walk into that believing that she would win. That's that's why I called it a glorified squash match. It, it it's no different than back in the day. I mean, you had people that were stars by name because they had some credibility underneath them from their past work for however many years ago it might have been. Superfly Jimmy Snooker, let's say. But by the mid '80s, Superfly Snooker was not the attraction that he was in the late '70s. So it still had the name and people rooted for him. But by and large, when he stepped in there with a main eventer or whatnot, he would be beaten. On the TV shows, however, he, you know, he beat other people. But they were ranked smaller than and lower on the card than him. It was the wrestling hierarchy. You could argue that when Jeff Hardy went back to the WWE before his walk out through the crowd that got him to AEW but you can argue that with him in the WWE at the time like he was a big star in the 90s and early 2000s and right up to the uh, 2010s well you know yeah that's a tag team in the 90s and then singularly we'll, we'll start with that in the 2000s 2010s and there was a point in time that he was right up there with Anybody that you could possibly name. I mean, he was on fire as, as popular as he was. Uh, he, he got in his own way, but that's a different that's a different story. The point being is when he came back to that last time, he was largely used as a name that could get in the ring but lose to some of these newer people. I mean, you know, we all like Jeff Hardy, but that that was where his role was at that point. They, he would win here and there, but his loss record was higher than it had ever been, you know, prior prior to that point. Foxy Fierce is not that quite yet. I mean, it, but that's the closest example I have because they don't have enough TV to let Foxy win against somebody else underneath, which is what she should be doing. She should at least get some wins sometime from somebody to support the idea that she is a relative contender. As it is right now, if she's had 20 matches on this show, she's probably won two of them. It's easy to look at that and be like, oh yeah, Vicky, you know, Vicky Lynn's gonna win that. They're, you know, just, she's done. Uh, it is the only reason that I would call it a glorified squash match for those reasons alone. Is it became super predictable who was going to win that the moment they announced who was in it. But in fairness to them, this should be a showcase for Vicky Lynn McCoy. This is the correct outcome. This is what's supposed to happen. I'm not saying all of those things to say, ah, oh, it should have been something different. Foxy Pierce played her part. She did it well. I'm, I'm sure she knew when she walked into the ring, this is my job. I I am here to help make Vicky Lynn look good. And she did. So she, it is not a case of her not doing it. I, I just, for the sake of the show, wish that there was some level of 
disbelief that she could present as I might win it every once in a while. That's all. I don't know what they would have to do to do that beyond getting her some wins, but how do you do that in a, in a show that's just an hour and you only got an hour in a week? Who knows? They'd have to figure that out. Um, after the match, oh, but by the way, the, the finish of the match, I know I said it was a German release, but essentially Foxy was going for a rear-end attack. Vicky Lynn catches her in that rear waist lock, turns her, and seemingly to hurls her as hard as she could backwards in a German suplex position. And that was it. Done, over, and finished. Uh, when that is done, uh, Lana Stark comes into the ring, and, of course, we get ourselves a after-match promo from Vicky Lynn, which basically is there to have her reinforce her position as the enforcer of the Fabulous Four. It's the, it's the same promo as the first time. I mean, the wording's different, but that is the same destination. Anybody that wants to come after the championships, you're going to have to go through me in order to get them. So they're doubling down on Vicky Lynn's position in the Fabulous Four. You got your world's champion, you got your tag team, world tag team champions. And it felt like they needed to define what Vicky Lynn was to the group because there's there's no third championship to go after for her to you know kind of match up and be like, hey, I'm a champion too. So they have to give her something to be as important. And they talked up the whole Vicky Lynn's the glue and she's the reason why, which is all BS. She's not the reason why. They they don't even have footage on their own program to support that theory. But the point being is that they were trying to give her uh, the benefit of something, a title of some sort that can make her as important as the rest of them, and not less than. Uh, at, at this stage, her enforcer title is basically, I don't want to say her own championship, that would be ridiculous, but it, it is, she's her own title at this point, if, if that makes sense. she does, Being Vicky Lynn McCoy, the enforcer to the Fabulous Four, if they use that correctly, if, if she is the gatekeeper to those championships, she doesn't need a title. Because she, she's created an importance of her own. I will stop anyone that comes after the, you know, these three. It, it would be interesting to see if she would try a handicap match to stop someone going after the tag team championships. Because I don't know how she would do it. But, but if she's an enforcer, I mean, let, let's play this, this uh, booking game a second. If she's the enforcer and she's that badass. And she's like, hey, I'll go in there and I'll do it myself. I mean, how how much more can you do to, to really elevate somebody? That would be an interesting angle. Now, I don't know what team you could put in there to do that. Because if you, want, you, you wouldn't want to sacrifice any team that's already on television. Because it would make them look ridiculously bad. Even as, as tough as Vicky Lynn is to have a team lose to her. Unless they just have established that she is an unstoppable beast. But that job should belong to Chainsaw. When we're going to see her again. But that's another story. Um, so, Vicky Lynn, she just she just needed that to, to help Vicky Lynn. It, it, it's, good, it's good character building. Because, because believe me, you know, 
a lot of the people on WoW have very little character, surprisingly. As as character driven as this product is, when you really think about it, it's not that deep in character. I looked at this show once and just as I was writing it and making notes, started thinking about who some of the people were. And when I was trying to think, it's like I honestly, some of them I really don't know. They're about as paper thin as the paper I write on. And the character that they portray is surface deep. To this day, we don't know why G.I. Jane is there. Or why she joined up with Samantha Smart, the disciplinarian. That's been weeks ago. She hasn't said a word on TV that we have heard. Yeah, we've seen her yelling in a match, but you know we, we haven't heard one thing about it. Matter of fact, I don't think anybody else has referenced why she's there. She just showed up one day. We don't really know why they signed the mother truckers beyond the fact that, hey, these are my friends from Tennessee. For what reason did Dave McClain say, all right, well, you know, they're good for you. They're your friends, so I'll take them on. I'll sign up and I'll write two more paychecks. We We never got that. We don't really know much about uh, BK Rhythm beyond the fact that you can see her walk to the ring and she raps. What is she in the company for? Do you care if you win a championship? Things like that. And we don't know those things because most of them do not speak. Most of the people on WoW speak either very vaguely, and I'll get I'll explain that in a minute. Or if it's not as a backstage segment that only serves the segment, they don't speak at all. Now, as far as what I said, the, the, the promos, some of the, the promos have a lot of fire. The Vivian Rivera promo that she cut on that episode that I hate, she had fire behind that. The, the, the Tonga twin that was talking about this is in our blood, she had fire behind that. And there's a couple of other ones that got on about Jesse Jones. She has fire when she talks. And she's probably the closest to anyone there that you could get some sort of personality from because she does get to speak for for whatever reason. I don't know why she does, but she gets to speak. When, and when she does, she makes sense. She knows what she's doing. Everybody else is, is we're coming after the titles. This is in our blood. We want to we rematch. It's it's to the point. We know what she's aiming for. But it outside of it, it's in our blood. But that's the closest thing that gives you like the, the fire that they have. But we don't hear about them wanting this week in and week out. We we hear it there. We don't get to hear them talk about what what did it mean that y'all made it to the finals and were cheated at the last second. They they never got a chance to explain that. What did it mean that they never even got a rematch? For months, they were denied getting an opportunity to have that championship that they were cheated out of. We never heard a word about that. 
We never heard from the Miami Sweet Heat. Why did you join Lana Star? Where did this team come from? How did y'all even come across each other? You know, different coasts. Did y'all hang out in the back? What, what, what's going on? I mean, y'all came in as baby faces, you know, whatever. The point being is that we, it's very little. It looks good. And when they do have the points where they do get somebody to speak, it does look good. But sometimes whatever it is that they do on screen doesn't really serve any purpose. When they used to do it at the start of the season, it served no purpose. They would do these documentary-style videos, probably from that documentary series that's on uh, Pluto TV right now. By the way, show of hands, how many of y'all even remembered about that? And they don't need promoted on their own show. Anyway, uh, that made me lose <laughs> lose my train of thought right there. Uh, all of this to say is that there's personalities that could be grown here. They they could talk. They, they it's one of the things that I know some of them probably think that it's better to just do it like a TV show. We'll do these scenes and we'll have it in the back and you'll be in this locker room and you'll be in this hotel. I mean, and those look great. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't. But the old things worked too. Just putting a microphone in somebody's hand and giving them two or three minutes to get themselves over. Two or three minutes to talk to the audience, to talk to the viewers and get the point across and let everybody understand what they feel. Not 30 seconds or just, I mean, really get the chance to talk or or get the chance to have an actual verbal interaction. Could you imagine, because right now I can't imagine it, but could you imagine people watching the show solely because you got two masters on the mic talking to each other? Say what you want about WWE and some of the people that's in it. But they can get ratings off of somebody just walking to the ring and holding a microphone in their hand for six minutes. People sit and watch them do it. I mean, there's any number of people that you could point through over the years that are just masters of the mic. And I don't mean they all entertaining and whatnot, but they 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 know how to hold people in the palm of their hand. CM Punk, I know he's polarizing, but that pipe bomb promo still looked at to this day. There's a segment of John Cena. He was good. I know some people dislike him. He's probably beloved now because he doesn't really wrestle all that much, but he was good. I was about to say there's a segment that's on TV. TV, that's on YouTube, was on TV. Before Roman Reigns was the tribal chief, and he was just the Roman Reigns that was pushed down people's throat that they hated. And they had that, you know, they were getting ready for the match between Cena and Roman Reigns. Now, Roman couldn't hold up to him, but they wanted to hear him try. Especially at that point, he he could not verbally match John Cena. He, He murdered him. But they wanted to hear him try. I mean, it did get into it. Roman did catch his, his ground, and he, he verbally shot back. But the point being is that there are things and people that can get on a microphone and get their points across and sell who they are. 
and you understand it because they just are that good. Nobody in a while ever gets that opportunity to do that. I don't know. Maybe some of them don't want to. But I can only imagine there's people there that are fine on the mic, they're comfortable on the mic, and if you gave them that kind of time and opportunity to get to talk the people into the match or talk the people into watching next week or talk the people into understanding who they are, then they would. I I really hope that at some point in time they – get to where they allow these things to happen, where they can actually talk something up. I, I, I can't even remember why I got on that. Now, I'm sure it's something that I was reviewing just kind of keyed me off. But anyway, oh, it, was, it was the promo at the end. Uh, <clears throat> the next segment after uh, the Vicky Lynn promo is a backstage vignette, or, or not a video package, vignette, uh, beautifully shot. And it looks fantastic. It is Sofia Lopez, uh, Sanchez, and Rivera. And they're doing, you know, the official labeling of the team and establishing the team goals. I mean, this is basically a a very dressed-up promo done by Sofia Lopez. And I just finished talking about, you know, I wish people got more promo time. And she got good promo time here. I don't know if that was all written. I don't know if it was rehearsed or whatnot, but it, it was very good, very convincing, and it got its point across. It, she made her points and explained what was going on. Explained Vivian Riera, Rivera. I keep wanting to say Riviera, and I'm trying to stop myself. I know her name is Rivera, but it is you know it just keeps tripping me up. But um. She understood and you know, and explained her situation with Rivera and why she got a hold of her. Uh, she explained her situation with Sanchez and why she got a hold of her to, and why she paired them and their goal. I, I couldn't have asked for a better promo out of her in this particular instance because it's the start of their journey. And she's, she's established... The who, the why, and the goal. I that's a, it's a thumbs up segment. It's, it's all I it's all I can say. This is a thumbs up segment. I got nothing against this segment. The segment works. However, what happened afterwards, I disliked. The next segment is the match. Las Benditas with. Sophia Lopez versus Leah McCona and Tiki Chamorro. Uh The first thing that, that you'll see when it happens is in the video that is the promo that I just praised, Sanchez and Rivera are in matching outfits. Look look great. When we get to the match, we have Sanchez and Rivera in different outfits. Not all that important. I think it. Most people should understand that those are pre-tapes, but some of them may not. And I, and I get why David McLean felt the need to try to cover this, but it is just such a bad job of, of covering it. 
Yeah, it was it was just such a bad job of covering it. I was like, you may as well have not have said a thing. <laughs> so, so when they come out, he's basically, he's basically saying something to the effect of, "Well, she may not have wanted to wear the matching outfit, so not to tear, not to, I'll tear it or damage it. I forget the word that he used." And I'm thinking about it, so I was like, what kind of sense does that make? It's an outfit designed to be rustled in. It's supposed to take wear and tear. That's his job. It is the sole reason that you get this. You go to a fabric maker that does rustling outfits. That was, that was, it was such a poor job of covering that. It should have just said, it was, oh, yeah, that was a, a, a video that we got sent to us yesterday. It'd have been fine. Maybe she didn't want to wear it. It it was just so ridiculous. All you need to do is establish that as a pre-tape. People would have got they'd have got over it. Anyway, the match started off. It was fairly basic and slow. And and you know I said that, and they actually supported that in the commentary. I was very pleased. uh, that the the pacing that they were doing right there was very evident, uh, and and I don't mean slow like it was distractingly bad slow. I mean it was very methodical. That that's you know like you could it's like two people who were in a contest trying to win. Is it was what it should have been. It, it was chess. It was you know it was moving counter move that that type of thing. So. I don't want to paint the wrong impression, but like, oh, it was slow and plodding, and that no, it was, it was, it came off like a contest, you know, at least to me in the opening phases of that. Uh, <clears throat> at points, the the mat psychology seemed a little off to me. Like McCona came in for a heel distract spot at at one point, and I was like, yeah, that seems like that should be the other team. I mean, you could argue that it's the the case of the old babyface trying to get get what the heel has established. Like you know, they they already cheated me, so I'm gonna cheat them back type thing. But it but at the time, I'll say I will say that at the time it felt like the psychology of that you know was was a little bit off. That's a nitpicky thing. Uh, so that is not anything that I would deduct points if we were doing that or you know. Anything along those lines. Uh, the one thing I, I was thinking as I was watching the match, and again, match, I, I thought then and think now that it was well, well done, good, methodical. And like I said, it, it was very deliberate, but still good. But one thing I thought about while I was watching is like, I don't know how you come up with a reasonable winner here. You have the two-fourths of the island dynasty. They really shouldn't be losing right now. They just came off of a big win. And, you know, nobody in that needs to take a loss. If it had to be somebody, I guess it could be Tiki. I think she could survive that. McCoy shouldn't be losing right now. She should be getting prepped for the championship. But then on the other side of the coin, I was, I'm thinking to myself, Las Banditas 
just showed up, or or at least we just now established them. They shouldn't be losing. I wouldn't. I, they're a team on the rise, and this isn't the time for it, particularly when you have a promo that's introducing them for the first time, despite the fact that they wrestled twice ahead of this. <sighs> so, because they showed the promo, you know where this is going. And it was so disappointing. I thought they had gotten over this. This need to, if we show you on video before the match, you have to lose the match. I, I don't understand that logic. What purpose does that serve? You had this near-perfect promo done by Lopez and these two intimidating women in the back her team they look fantastic it sets them up as this you know this great contendership to the title and that's the other part of the promo that i forgot that i got to give another star to it another thumbs up is that lopez not only said that their goal is the title but essentially said that they're going to take it from lana star and put it on her desk which we know that Lopez and Star are both heels. And that was addressed by the commentary. Bravo for them. He's like, ah, oh, that could put them at odds. And, you know, which would be interesting. And I thought if that actually goes somewhere, then good on them. I hope they follow through. I don't think that they will, but I hope they follow through. But anyway, the point being is that that was a great little promo that happened there. So why put a losing match directly behind it. I mean, it's not like there was even a match in between it as a buffer. It was promo match. And it just devalued everything that Lopez said. Everything. We are going to know, unbeatable. You know, the, the, the heel promo. And we're coming after the titles. And then they promptly go out there and lose. I'm not saying they should never lose. I mean, a loss is not going to stop their run to a championship if they actually get to the championship. And they probably should because they, they seem to work well together, look good as a team. But at, But still, it just didn't need to be here. That's all it didn't need to be here. Not after that. It, in my world, that just devalued the promo. The promo was good, and then and it, and it could set on on the merit of that. And if they go into the ring and then win, it, they really would have made that whole thing that much better. But then to say all these things and then lose is like, okay, well, why should we believe you? Yeah. But... I mean, again, in terms of uh, what's happening on the show, I I honestly couldn't think of a good scenario for that anyway. Other than if you leave Tiki as the unlikely underdog, you know, then she could survive the loss. But as it was... 
She was the one that got the pin. Makona and Tiki did a wheelbarrow slam uh, on top of Rivera. Of course, Tiki being the one being wheelbarrowed and slammed, and she got the pin. So, you know, bravo on them, even though, I mean, I guess they're not officially a team, but they are part of a faction. So, <clears throat> will the loss hurt the Las Banditas? Probably not. I, I don't think it's going to do that. I just, I really, really, really wish that that loss that they had would have been positioned someplace else other than directly behind her promo. And leave in next week, you know, something. Just just a little bit of distance from the from the bragging. Let the bragging stand. Lopez needs that so she can build the 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 stature of the team. The bragging needs to be valid sometimes. The heels got to be able to back up their claims sometimes just to give them a little validity. You take that away, there's no reason to believe in them. That's movie psychology. <laughs> and it works here too because the psychology is sound. Uh, next match, I mean, no, not match, segment, is Jesse Jones and Americana backstage. This is in the locker room. It's almost always Jesse Jones is in the locker room when she does these vignettes. I don't know why. Uh, but she's preparing for a match, and they're sitting across from each other in the backstage area, and Americana has her son, uh, what's his name, Levi, with her. And I, I just have to say this. Getting back on the topic of personas, Americana's persona is almost completely defined by being a mom. I have, for the life of me, I don't know why she has called herself Americana. There's nothing in that persona that makes me think America. And when I look at that outfit and her, and I say this with all due respect, and I do not mean any offense, it just comes off like a wish version of Santana Garrett. Even down to the color scheme. But the worst is that this is what she's being defined by. She's being defined by having her son there all the time. Look at little Levi. He's in the front row. Levi's here for, for his mom, Americana. Hey, Levi and Americana backstage with Jesse Johnson. It's all... It's, can't she stand on her own? She's got to be something. It's like I, I know zip about Americana other than she has a child and she brings him to the matches constantly. She may as well just change her name to Supermom or something because that Americana thing doesn't work. I mean, yeah, she doesn't have to be a gimmick. She didn't have to be dressed in red, white, and blue. I mean, it probably would help visually. But I guess you don't have to be dressed in red, white, and blue. You don't have to come out and wave the flag. You don't have to use American puns and talk about America 24 hours a day or something. But my goodness, what does I mean, the name means nothing. It just doesn't. 
What is so American about Americana other than she was born here? Everybody is probably on that roster is probably born here. Well, except for a few. I know they got some from Australia. But anyway, that's you get the point. You understand what I'm trying to say. Her her being a mom is basically her large her biggest defining quality on that show. And it after looking at this is like Levi's gonna drive this angle. How is this even possible? They're sitting there in the locker room. I, I know I got off track of that, but they're sitting there in the locker room. And America is basically not America. Jesse is basically saying that she's about to, you know, go out and uh, take care of her business in the match. Y'all can sit out in the crowd and, you know, you can watch and everything, but, you know, hey, I'll, I'll be back in a little bit or whatever. It's not all that part of it isn't all that important. The other part is you got Americana, like, okay, fine. And Jesse, take it easy on her. He's, she's Levi's favorite. And. The part that Jesse, the words Jesse said were not important to this. The visual that Jesse did was. Because when she says, take it easy on her, she's Levi's favorite. She, The look on her face is like, what? I mean, it is, it's a perfect reaction to a stupid statement. Take it easy. So... I wrote down, this is a quick turnaround. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong because this, this feels like this is the start of a Jesse Jones heel turn. And honestly, in a situation like that, in a, in a real world universe, that would annoy me too. I was like, what are you talking about? Take it easy. What am I supposed to do? This is a match is violent by design. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a statement of idiocy, which only makes her come off as ridiculous. And again, it makes her defining quality being a mom. I'm going to ask you not to do what you can to win this match. Because my son likes the person that you're facing. And this is going to be her as long as she as long as this keeps going on, she's just going to be super mom. And that's what she should be referred to as. So anyway, Jesse's clearly annoyed about this statement. Now, <clears throat> going into the next thing, this next segment, which is uh, the match itself. It's Jesse Jones versus BK Rhythm. Uh, McLean immediately talks up the fact that Jesse's having leg problems. Either Jesse Jones is really good at selling an injury or she's legit hurt. It wouldn't surprise me if she was legitimately hurt because, you know, you do things like this in wrestling to get around an injury sometimes. Uh, what they were about to do. So in any case, the match starts. It's noted that she is having leg problems. She's moving very gingerly. You know, not very mobile here. But she starts out by 
working out on BK's arm. And she has the match pretty well in hand uh, at this point. Now, if those that are wondering whether BK Rhythm did a little rhyme before she, I mean, of course she did her her, her little thing beforehand. You know, it, it's not, again, not important in this uh, particular context. So I just wanted to let you know she did it. But not important right now. What was important is that Jesse modified her wrestling and kept BK Rhythm essentially within arm's reach. She would not let go of her wrist. She just kind of kept her up there. And, and you see how she does her work. I, I, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Very convincing. Very convincing that you would think that she is capable and ready to break this girl's arm. She worked BK Rhythm down. I mean, she... Her entire moveset was like shoulder block, shoulder block, shoulder. She held her by her wrist and popped her down a couple of times and manipulated her arm to where she could force her into her finishing move, which was, again, like I said, she looked convincing in the application and resistance from BK. But then what happens is, she apparently through all the crowd heard Levi hollering, no, <laughs> don't need you know, something like, no, don't do it. He didn't want her to uh, hurt his favorite wrestler. The camera turns and we see him out in the front row. And of course, yeah, he's like, no. And of course, she turns, looks out at him like, what are you talking about? What, what, what do you mean? Or whatever she's saying. But this gives just enough time for BK Rhythm to come up behind her, roll her up, and she's done. One, two, three. BK Rhythm has another win. Imagine that. And so, by distraction, Jesse has lost. My first question there was, why was this a distraction? I mean... I don't know how good your hearing is in a wrestling ring during a match, but I would assume to pinpoint that singular voice amongst all the voices yelling yay or boo or yes or no would be somewhat difficult because he it's not like he's the only child there. So, I mean, that, yeah, I get kids have a high-pitched squeak or scream or whatever, but to hear that, Okay, I, I guess you could go. You could uh, you could argue that that is possible. Sure, it is. It's possible. And then to to get up and try to have this conversation. Now you have to know that they, even if you wanted to release the hole and see that it was him to walk over to the corner and then like, what are you doing? Why? And ah. Uh, I know, I know that that that's just distract, and it's not like Jesse Jones is the only one that is falling for the old distraction roll-up for whatever reason. It just, you know, it's just a wrestling thing. It it happens, and it served its purpose. It got them got the match over with quickly, and, and that's pretty much all they really needed out of that. But what I don't want is this is this to center around this woman's child. 
I would not want that. I don't even know how this would become an issue other than Americans like would refuse to believe Jesse or something like that. If she went back and say, hey, look, I understand that you have to bring Levi here, but this this is a little distracting. So could you please not have him out there yelling no during the matches? I, 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 I'd appreciate it. Now, if something like that happens, or however she happens to word it, causes like, what do you mean? I'm not, my son's fine here. He ain't, he ain't distracted. If it does something like that, then then she deserves to turn on But I can, But again, how do you get to a turn and not include him at this point? Does he need to be the cause of this? I don't know where this is going. Like I said, it feels like this is a, a case of we're going to turn Jesse back heel and we'll use her child as the catalyst. I do not like this at all. I don't like the, the fact that the child is the catalyst. I don't like the fact that the child is the only defining characteristic of his own mother. I just don't like this. Uh, we get a recap package about the mother truckers next. Getting you know, getting their truck back. Last we saw them, they rode the bus from Los Angeles to Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee. Went to a junkyard, which was actually a horse stable, more like it. Uh, air quote stole their own truck. And apparently now is arrested for it somewhere between Jackson, Tennessee and Los Angeles, California. We don't know where they're arrested. We don't know why they are arrested. I mean, I don't know. This was a well-shot segment, if not a pointless and senseless one. Why they get, why they inject it? This is the part that they're just there. Now it was never explained. We don't know what the, what they're in jail for. We don't know, you know, where they're in jail. But they're just in jail. So, and why they have a cameraman there that's sitting there recording their conversation as they're talking? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess this is another one of the we we got to ignore. This is the invisible eye of wrestling. You know, I, this this is one of those cases. But some, and I'm most cases I'm able to kind of get past that because you you know you understand that you got to make some mental concession for television, and so the camera is not theoretically supposed to be there. But this that this one was just a, a step too far. For me, uh, they're sitting there having this conversation and to recap the whole Samantha Smart deal, and essentially this this led into what is assumed to be the introduction of a new wrestler or a new wrestler wrestling personality to come to WOW. They said they had a phone call. They had somebody they could call that can help them. And, but they never say this person by name because, you know, that's that's the wrestling way. We can only say 
We can only refer to him vaguely when we don't want to give any hints. You mean we're going to call her? All right. I'll call her in the morning. You know, something ridiculous like that. So anyway, uh, this, like I said, I, I don't know what this segment was is about, why they have it. It's just, yeah. We'll move on. Next, we had the, uh, the the talking about the Campanelli, Rah Rah, uh, Samantha Smart, Stable Feud, and the introduction of a new stipulation with no promotion, but we have this stipulation. It is what was addressed or talked about at the beginning of the show by David McClain where he's talking to Samantha Smart. We're going to... If she wins, you have to be in the ring. So, uh, McLean laying down the law as the head matchmaker and general manager and host and lead commentator and interviewer. This is uh, Campanelli with Randy Rara in her corner versus the disciplinarian with Samantha Smart. The stipulation being if Campanelli is able to defeat the disciplinarian. Then Randy Rara gets five minutes with Samantha Smart. So I'm going to stop that review right there to say one thing in in the in the kayfabe wow universe. Why this would have been a ridiculous and stupid decision by Samantha Smart? Yes. The genius of wow, Samantha Smart. Why this would have been a stupid decision. Not the fact that she's forced into the match. She didn't have any choice over that. David McClain pushed her into the match. That she chose the disciplinarian to represent her. Now, Robin Ivory is a fantastic wrestler. Very good at what she does. Trained by Booker T. And was multiple time champion across a few promotions across the United States. The disciplinarian, however, she might occupy the same body as Robert Reed, but she ain't got the same track record. The disciplinarian's track record in a while is horrible. I mean, that's just not a nice way to say it. She has lost far more than she has ever won in that promotion. And that and that in and of itself isn't a, be, a bad thing unless you're the disciplinarian and you want to win. But in the case of, aha, I know who I'll get to, that can save me from this situation. I'll use the disciplinarian. That is stupid. <laughs> we, if I'm the manager, I know your record. And yes, I have faith in you, but now I'm on the line. I have to get in there if you lose. You know, it's one thing if you lose on your own. You know, you don't you don't get the prize money at the end, or as much as you wanted, and we're just or whatever the case may be. I'm not hurting you, are, but now I'm in trouble. When you're using that kind of manager logic, I you would have gone with someone else. Who is that someone else you may ask? Well, she's got G.I. Jane right there in her stable. 
right there in her, in her group, and she's still an unknown commodity because she hasn't lost all the time. It would have given some level of suspense as to who was going to win. But unfortunately, despite the fact that the match is not bad, I mean, it's short, but it's not bad. I mean, no, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't... I shouldn't say it's not short for WoW. I mean, when you look at it, I only say that comparatively to main events like in the NWA and AEW. You know, I mean, they get they their main events like twenty minutes, so, so it's short comparatively speaking. But the point being, it would have been less of a we know who's going to win moment if it had if it was. Someone other than the disciplinary. That, that's all. And G.I. Jane is still fresh enough to the mix here that it could have been perceived that she could have won. In fact, she helped get one of the first big wins in that group. She's responsible. I mean, yeah, this Samantha Spar had to cheat to help her. Sure, but she's a heel. And she got the pin. Not the disciplinarian. G.I. Jane did. You would think that that would be the way to go. I mean, and again, I know that I know the story that it's tell, but and, and again, the kayfabe universe in in the universe of of wow, in their logic, you go with the hot hand. The hot hand was GI Jane. I mean, between the two, if you weren't going to just bring in an outside force, that would have made more sense. If anything, I'll bring in a mystery opponent. <laughs> you get past them, then you get me. You know, something like that. But that's that's old school wrestling uh, logic there. Some some just don't want to use it. So uh, this one, the main event, although fine, didn't feel like they had the chemistry that their predecessors of the of the episode did. I I I don't know. It just maybe it's me. It just, watching it, didn't feel like they had quite the chemistry. Uh, it was slow and uh, somewhat basic. I, 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 I know I used, uh, uh, it, it was slow in the tag match. I'm sorry, I had to fumble over my words. I, I was trying to think of a methodical. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get out. Uh, I know I used that about the tag match earlier, but this, to me, did not feel methodical. It just felt slow. Uh, But um, Samantha Smart did do what Samantha Smart should have done. She, as a heel manager whose butt is on the line, she cheated. (laughs) She cheated. You know, she tried to help where she could, and that was a kind of a high point uh, in the match. Uh, Campanelli, uh, aside from Campanelli, some, I, I'm still not sure whether she's supposed to be, you know, a sort of heel or aggressive baby face. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Then sometimes she's comedy. Anyway, my my uh, questions of Campanelli aside, uh, 
Smart did do what Smart needed to do. And I will stand on the ground that all the managers on the show, Lana Starr, Lopez, and Smart have all improved. Just the fact that uh, a season ago they started taking bumps and interfering, you know, doing things that managers are supposed to do, it, it made them look all the better. At least it, it gave them more credibility in the managerial lane. It also, like I said, gave a, uh, a high point to this match, being that it gave Campanelli a reason to get the spot in that they got in. At Towards the end, Campanelli is fighting out of a front face lock from the disciplinary, and she gets up to her feet. She fights her off and gets her out of her way long enough to where she can take a shot at Samantha Smart, who is standing ringside. And that shot popped the audience. I mean, good on her. It took a little bit of the, uh, uh, I guess, the anticipation of her getting hers off. But again, it, it did pop the audience. They They did start applauding, so... She's doing something well. I think that I still feel like she needs to get more heat, but she's certainly on a positive road. After that drop kick that uh, Campanella gives to Samantha Smart, she kind of soaks in a little bit of the adulation of the crowd, but she gives a little lip to Smart on the outside also. She gets back in after draping the disciplinary throat across the ropes. But this Renee is able to turn it back around just long enough to get somewhat of an advantage, hoist Campanelli up on her shoulders, I guess seemingly for a TKO. But Rara distracts her. So we got another distraction victory of sorts. It's not uh, not a roll-up in the same sense. But she does pop the legs and get a jackknife pin. So I guess that's kind of a, it's a variation of a roll-up. So, surprise, surprise, Campanelli wins, and we have a shock to disciplinarian that she lost. I can't imagine why that she would feel that way. So, you got the look on Samantha Smart's face like, what? I, huh? It's like, you, you got to get in the ring. And she, you know we have to have the look of surprise. What do you mean? What happened? But Campanelli gets the microphone and says, you know what that means, you're next. Campanelli is probably another one that does have some personality. She's one of the few. She, she does get more airtime than most, though. So that, that probably has gone a long way towards, towards feeding who she is. So anyway, the technical fifth match of the night begins. Samantha Smart drops the the ruler and David McLean gets on the microphone because he he's the babyface matchmaker. You gotta get in the ring, Samantha Smart. Samantha goes, he's forced into the ring. The match begins and once she is let go of, Samantha Smart runs. Now there's not a punch or a kick that connects with her because the only contact that she had was Rara ran across the ring, caught her in a rear waist lock. But like I said, once she is let go, Samantha Smart runs. 
And that's all she does. She just shoots through the ropes, runs back and forth. And this ultimately just sets her up for the disciplinarian to toss chalk in her face. She takes two uh, erasers and claps them together in her face and puts the chalk powder in her eyes. Now, that, of course, is important. Why is it important? Because for some reason, that signified the end of the match. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. I, I guess normal rules applied, so maybe it was a di- disqualification. I, I have no idea because the bell didn't ring. So, And they didn't say anything else to explain that. It just kind of happened. So we'll assume that it was a disqualification. Uh. That prompts another promo. And we got Coach Campanelli basically, you know, trying to clean the, the dust out of uh, Ra-Ra's eyes. And like I said, who was chasing Samantha Smart. And this sets up for what she's calling a schoolyard brawl. She got on the microphone and said, all right, you want to bring erasers? Why don't you just bring all the school stuff? Why don't you bring your yardsticks and the books and, and uh, the erasers and the paddles? And, and uh, well, I, I think uh, Rara chimed in and said, and chalk. So Campanelli booked her own match because David McLean followed it up and said, yeah, it's going to be a schoolyard brawl. You know, so... This this five minute stipulation only leads to a gimmick match that we're gonna have down the line. So uh, uh it, it was fair. <laughs> I know there's a question mark behind that, but it, yeah, I mean it was it, it was fair. That's pretty much what I would guess for this episode it i didn't agree with las banditas lost you know let, let's start from the top and work down uh vicky lynn and foxy fierce fine per, the right person won uh like i said i both of them did just fine in the match i just wish fierce had a better uh win loss record going into things like this for for the suspension of disbelief. Uh, good promo by Sofia Lopez. I, I felt like the match behind it kind of devalued it a bit. Having them lose immediately. Uh, the Jesse Jones Americana thing is, I don't know where that's going. It doesn't doesn't feel like a good angle at all. Just, And it only highlights that Americana is not a... Uh, personality with charisma on that show or a personality is just, just very bland i think she would have done better just to probably have been herself because i'm sure as herself she would shine she's a lovely young lady she's very athletic i think that they have set her back a couple of paces by giving an outfit that looks reminiscent to someone else by giving a a a personality that isn't visible that isn't visibly seen 
amongst a land of personalities that are visibly seen. Uh, this this the beginning of this angle doesn't feel good. I mean, it, it just feels senseless, really. And I'm I'd be happy when it's over. Uh, the Campanelli Ra Ra Smart the Smart group feud continues on. I mean, it gives Campanelli and Ra Ra something to do. You know, rather than chase the titles right now, which is good. They need some kind of personal feud just to keep them occupied. Clearly, clearly the uh, promoter <laughs> likes the team. So, he wants to get them airtime, give them airtime. And like I said, Campanelli gets more airtime than most. Along with Jesse Jones, she is one of the few there that has some talk time. So, you really got a better feel of who she is and somewhat her motivations. Now, she isn't necessarily clear on whether she's a babyface or not, but the rest of it, I guess we can work around it. And Rara is getting uh, airtime. So, you know, this match and feud is fine. Uh, like I said, there were points in it that I questioned the logic. Mainly the... And, and this is not a knock on the disciplinary because the match was the match in and of itself although it felt like it didn't have chemistry at, at points they did get the rhythm they got there because they're both pros and you know that happens sometimes I mean that, that's just a wrestling fact sometimes you get in there and it takes a little while to get, get the pacing <clears throat> but aside from the illogical choice from allegedly the smartest person there I guess it's fine uh, that that was you know pretty much it it's, it's one thing in the show that really drug it that and that's the Jesse Jones Americana angle that's being built that that drug this show a bit didn't like the the Las Baditas losing, but they'll survive it. Even though the right team did win, I guess. But if I had to rewrite it, uh, it, it probably would have been Tiki to take the loss. And that was it, folks. That was uh, the episode. Special stipulations. Number 34 in the books for a while. What did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you question anything? Did you feel like uh, the stipulation was uh, lived up to? Did you feel cheated? What? Leave your comments in the box below. Or you can email. Go on to the website, WPNWrestling.com. And you can hit the contact button. Or you can hit the, uh, if you're on YouTube, go right to the uh, YouTube channel. Hit the about, the connect and emails are there and you can uh, send me the question your, your comments about it directly or like I said leave them below either way is good love hearing from you and with that folks I think we can wrap this up and so until the next episode we will say that uh, we will look forward to the, the, the upcoming WoW stipulations that are yet to follow. 
hopefully the uh, next match, because I know the schoolyard brawl is probably going to be weeks down the line. Um, but hopefully they'll get some more stuff answered and we can uh, continue this review again. So with that, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>